Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. What we're dealing with in our current times. Uh, battling spiritual warfare is not an easy task. It is a task that requires a lot out of us, and so there are times we feel beaten, scarred, we bleed a little. But knowing that we have a Savior to pick us up, to watch over us, and to see us through is something that I'm very thankful for. Adrian Rogers has said this, If you're sinking in quicksand, Satan will gladly pat you on the head. And he's right. Satan or the devil is always trying to beat us down and to steal our life. The Christian vocalist Carmen, some of you are familiar, it's who I grew up listening to. But in his song called Slam, stated of the devil, you tried to break me, you tried to shake me, you tried to take me with your lies, you tried to drop me, tried to stop me, tried to chop me down to size, you tried to crush me, you tried to hush me, you tried to rush me and attack, but Jesus Christ is my life, and now I'm coming back. Satan tries to rob us of life, both eternal and abundant life. And through his lies and deception, and if we listen to him, he will steal away life as a thief in the night. But in addition to being a thief, Satan is also called the wicked one. In Matthew 13, 19, Jesus stated, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. If we hear the voice of the wicked one over and above the word of God. And if we choose to listen to his voice and take action based upon what the devil says, then we, whether knowingly or not, are serving the devil. And serving the wicked one leads to what? Death. Loss of joy. Loss of fulfillment. Loss of abundant life. But we also lose our thankfulness, don't we? We forget where we came from. We forget who has fought the fight. We forget who loves us. And this morning, we're going to look at how the devil deceives people into serving him. And we'll also learn how serving the devil will suck the life right out of us. Or as we will discover, it will steal the life away from us, being that the devil is a thief. 
And I hope we'll begin to see that in order to have the true life in the Lord, that we must listen to the voice of the shepherd over and above the voice of the thief. So we're going to look at verse 9, verse nine first. And in a nutshell, verse 9 tells us that in Jesus, there are green pastures. In Jesus, there are green pastures. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You see, Jesus was speaking of himself as being the shepherd to his sheep. Or his people. And Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. In other words, Jesus is the door that leads to salvation. Which is a term meaning to be rescued from our sins. The Bible teaches that all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we need to be rescued from our sins. Because we know the penalty for sin is spiritual death. Jesus is the door leading to salvation and eternal life. And he is the door to spending eternity in heaven with God the Father. He said in John 14, 6, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only door that leads to salvation and eternal life. And we must enter by him and him alone. If you grew up on a farm, perhaps you've noticed the cattle out in the field, and it never fails. When you turn a herd of cattle loose in a perfectly green pasture with abundant grass to eat, you will see one big fat cow leaning heavily on the fence. Probably about to tear it down. To snatch that blade of grass from the other side of the fence. Because, of course, the grass is always greener on the other side. Am I right? We will find that the grass really is greener on the other side. For he tells us we will find pasture. So, Jesus the shepherd... Desires to bring us to green pastures. And in Psalm 23, we learn that the pasture land is a place of still waters, a place of righteousness, a place of restoration, a place where we will not be afraid of evil, a place where a table is continually set before us. And our cup will overflow in abundance. It is a place of goodness, mercy, and life. And Jesus wants to lead us to those pastures and a place of abundant life. Both eternal life and true life in the here and now. Jesus not only says that his sheep will find pasture. He adds that they will go in and out. And this expression illustrates the abundance of life that he offers. 
One commentary says that the one who enters by Jesus has the freedom. Notice the word freedom to come in and go out. Matthew Henry says, true believers are at home in Christ. When they go out, they are not shut out as strangers, but have liberty to come in again. And when they come in, they are not shut in as trespassers, but have liberty to go back out if they choose so. And both of these commentaries use the terms freedom and liberty. Freedom is the main idea communicated in the phrase, as in they will go in and out. And freedom is a quality of abundant life. Jesus said in John eight thirty six, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We are free in Jesus' presence. And his presence is with us everywhere we go. Amen? As long as we abide in the presence of the shepherd and look unto him in all that we do, we can have abundant life. For example, if we are abiding in the shepherd, we can walk into a worldly workplace and not lose our joy or our light. We don't have to lose it. The shepherd will lead us into green pastures daily and we will see that abundance. Moving on into verse 10, the synopsis of that is this. In the devil, we find death. Jesus wants to lead us to green pastures. The devil wants to lead us to death. Ephesians 4, 27 and 28. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give the devil a foothold. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Verse 27 speaks of the devil. So what is the subject of the sentence? It is the understood you. In other words, God's direction is to the Christian. You don't give the devil, as in us as Christians, do not give the devil place in our lives. And along with verse 28, The direct application is to the conduct of the Christian. God says, don't steal. Perform and to have some extra to give unto others. Don't steal. In our message this morning, I want you to take 27 and 28 and couple it with that first part of 28 with John 10.10. And we need to develop a different kind of thought. We need to develop a different kind of thought. Because you see, the devil is a thief and a robber. He is the greatest thief the world has ever seen. And Jesus was talking about the devil when he said in John 10.10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So to paraphrase those two verses, which are very, very important. Don't give the devil any place in us. Let him that stole steal no more from you. Stop him. Resist him. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Put a stop to the devil's acts of thievery in the affairs of your life. One good way that we do that this week is we give thanks. We give thanks to the things that maybe we don't think about on a daily basis. But somehow when this time of year rolls around, we're reminded. But God says, be reminded daily. For I am with you always. So we have an opportunity this week to be thankful for many different things. But we need to be thankful for God who fights our fight. We need to be thankful for God who protects us on a daily basis. And even when we don't feel protected, we don't feel things are going our way. Believe me, I've had plenty of those things this morning. But when we feel we're not protected, when we feel like we're not able to go on and press forward, be thankful that God has got it. He's got it taken care of for you. And as Dave said, in his will. In his will. His will be done. We are not ignorant of his devices. But what are some of the devil's devices? Does he steal from Christians? The devil is a thief who steals worship. He does. He steals worship that rightfully belongs to God. He seeks to divert worship away from the true and living God to anything else. Why do we allow him to do that? We know the ways of the devil are to trip us up. We know that he can get a stronghold by giving him an inch. Saying is, give him an inch, he'll take a mile, right? It is sad that in many churches, the devil has led people to substitute liturgy, form, and ritual for the true worship of God. And as Baptists, yeah, that's us, we need to learn that true worship of God is an attitude of the heart. It is an attitude of the heart. It is not just sitting in a pew and staring at the back at someone's head. That's why I sit in the front. <laughs> we must draw nigh unto God and commune with Him Heart to heart. We have to have that heart to heart. In John 4.23, Jesus said, The Father is seeking true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Don't let the devil steal your worship. Be a true worshiper of God through Christ. 
The devil steals God's blessings from people. And we know that sin is his greatest tool. Ignorance, laziness, and rebellion follow close behind. We know that sin kills. Because the wages of sin is death. Sin, rebellion, disobedience, open the door to the devil and gives him the opportunity to steal, kill, and destroy. There is a spiritual law of sin and death. There is a law of sowing and reaping. Sow to the flesh and cripples your faith and hinders God's blessings from coming on you. The Bible says, put off the old man and his deeds and put on the new man and walk in holiness without which no man will see the Lord. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things of this life for that is idolatry. God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. You used to do them when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old evil nature and all its wicked deeds. And in its place you have clothed yourselves with a brand new nature... That is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ who created this new nature within you. That's what it means to be a Christian. To understand the things of old do not define you. It is God who defines us. Back in John 10 verse 1, and you don't need to turn there. But Jesus stated, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So there's the definition for Satan again. He's a thief. He tries to climb into the sheepfold to steal and to kill and to destroy. He is like a hungry wolf. And in 1 Peter 5 8, warns. That your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. And let me remind you, that Satan uses lies and deception to lead us away from the sheepfold and into his snares. For example, in 2 Timothy 2.26, Paul said that we should do our very best to lead people to come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So the way that Satan seeks to trick us and devour us reminds me of the story of Little Red Riding Hood. 
The kids should be familiar with the story. The story goes that Little Red Riding Hood went to deliver a cake to her grandmother. And as she was going through the woods, she met a wolf that had it in mind to eat her. But he changed his mind when he heard some nearby woodcutters working in the forest. And when the wolf found out where she was headed, he ran ahead of her and got to her grandmother's house first. And the story continues that the wolf knocked on the door, counterfeiting Little Red Riding Hood's voice. And so grandmother told him to come in. The wolf then immediately attacked the grandmother and devoured her. Wonderful story to tell, right? But the devil, like this wolf, will utilize deception to enter the house of our spiritual lives. And when he gets inside, he will devour our life. And the devil utilized deception to trick Adam and Eve into eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which led to death. And he does the same thing today. He seeks to rob us of joy and life through the knowledge of good and evil. For it is the knowledge of what's right and what's wrong that allows us to see all the bad things in life that get us down and suck away our joy. Satan will whisper in our ear that lie that so-and-so did us wrong and cause us to have a root of bitterness. Satan will distract us from the source of life, which is Jesus and only Jesus. And he will tempt us to focus on things that fail to bring about life. But the devil also uses deception to steal our identity in Christ. Phil Ware says that in such a time where we have so much identity theft, it is helpful for us as Christians to think about our identity in Christ and how desperately Satan is trying to help us lose it. He is the original master at identity theft. His desire is to make us doubt who we are and whose we are. He wants us to doubt our future and our citizenship. Satan wants us to question our ultimate victory because of our occasional failures. And most of all, he wants us to doubt the love of our king and our father. In the Garden of Eden, the devil tempted Adam and Eve to be like God instead of just abiding in God. And even today, the devil will tell us that we can't be fulfilled or be happy until we attain a certain goal or attain a certain object. He doesn't want us to be satisfied by being a follower of Christ. The joy of the Lord is to be our strength, not titles, not possessions, and certainly not positions. A.C. Johnson tells us the point behind the devil's lies. He says, when the devil finds that he cannot steal your eternal life, 
he will try his best to steal the time which God has given to you on this earth to serve him and to fulfill the purpose for which you have been created. The devil steals our prime time to use it as his crime time. Don't quote me on that. I thought it was a little goofy at first too. It's okay. But Jesus offers us green pastures, but the devil offers a deadly wasteland. The devil not only steals abundant life in Christ, but he seeks to steal away eternal life. But not from believers, but from the lost. The way in which the devil steals eternal life is to deceive the lost into believing that they're okay without Jesus. He whispers in their ear, you don't need to know Jesus. You're a good person. You know that you have helped more needy people than your neighbor who is a Christian. The devil says, because you're good, you'll surely go to heaven. We must come to realize that there's only one way to enter heaven, and that is through Christ alone. And I shared Matthew 13, 19 earlier, but I want to read it again. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. The devil keeps the lost confused and not understanding by causing them to question God's word. He might interject in their mind, how can I trust the Bible? Wasn't Jesus just a prophet and a good person? How can I believe he was God's son and arose from the grave? And because of their confusion, they do not know what to believe. And so they never choose to believe Jesus as their Savior. And the way the devil steals eternal life is to deceive the lost into staying lost. The devil seeks to kill and take away life. He also seeks to enslave us in the fear of death. However, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 tells us of our victory. For we read that Jesus Christ came to destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus saves. The devil kills, destroys, and gets us to be confused. But Jesus saves. Because in Jesus, we find true life. I have come that they may have lived and have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. And he desires to provide us with spiritual food and sustenance. For he said that he came to bring us life. In Jesus, we find pasture land with a crystal clear stream to lie down beside and a beautiful tree to shelter us. 
Jesus representing the water of life and the tree of life. And he is the source of life and the author of life. Jesus came that we might have life. And this life was made available to us when he gave away his own life on the cross to pay for the penalty for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave away his own son's life so that we might possess life. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And a gift is something you simply reach out and receive and cherish. Jesus wants us to have everlasting life for all eternity. But he also wants us to have true life right now. A.T. Robertson states that John 10.10 can also be translated as that they may keep on having life. And because of this repetition found in the original language, the end of the verse can read that they may keep on having abundance. The life that Jesus offers is something that we can keep on having. It's not a one and done. It never fades away, for it is everlasting and eternal. And Jesus says that he wants us to have it more abundantly and keep on having abundance. So what is abundance? It's translated as, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Abundance is life to the full. Life to the full. And then we keep on having it, and it never stops coming our way. Jesus offers salvation and eternal life, and he offers us true, abundant life now. Not tomorrow. Not in a couple weeks when it's more convenient. But now. Right now, all we have to do in order to receive this life to the full is to ignore the deception and lies of the enemy and accept the gift that Jesus so freely offers because this is where we gain true power. Amen? True power of God is not the wonderful miracles of healings. True power is not measured by the size of your ministry. True power is not the amazing message God speaks through you. True power is not measured by the number of people saved through your ministry. True power is not measured by how successful and popular your ministry is. True power is not the exponential growth of your ministry. True power is a continual, complete surrender to God's will. True power is to always lay down your life for others. True power is loving people at all times. True power is allowing Jesus to move in your life. 
True power is always looking at the face of Jesus. True power is always to be in a state of reverential fear before God. True power is sustaining God's presence and anointing. True power is taking people into your heart. True power is bowing our thoughts and thinking to Jesus. True power is choosing a life of suffering in accordance to God's will. True power is making Jesus' decisions part of your life. True power is always making Jesus happy. True power is submitting to God's will completely. True power is praying with Jesus even when the flesh is unwilling. True power is touching Jesus' nail-pierced hands. True power is meeting Jesus' needs. True power is making Jesus always welcome in your house. True power is continually turning to Jesus. True power is identifying the mood of Jesus without speaking a word. True power is looking at Jesus keenly with the eyes of a servant. True power is faithfully carrying out Jesus' will until he returns. True power is allowing Jesus to completely take over your life. It's showing Jesus by actions rather than words. True power is making Jesus at home in your life. True power is allowing Jesus to pray through you. True power is not I, but Christ who lives in me. There was a Brownsville Revival song that said, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. If you this morning have come to realize that the devil has stolen something from you or taken away part of your life, there's a reason you're sitting where you're sitting. You've come to take it back. Amen? You have come to take it back. If you are a Christian and you've lost your joy and fulfillment, then come and reclaim your identity in Christ. Jesus declared in Luke ten nineteen, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And if you're lost, never having confessed Christ as Savior as Lord, then I wish to encourage you to stop listening to the enemy's lies. In which he says that you don't need Jesus. You do need Jesus. For without him you cannot enter into heaven. Because Jesus is the way to life. And I wish to encourage you to receive that life even now. Don't leave today without it. You want to know what I want to be thankful for? I want to be thankful for those who are reached through Christ. That's what I want to be thankful for.
truly take hold of the abundant life that Jesus has promised us. Or reclaim what the enemy has stolen and come and receive true abundance in our, in our shepherd, Jesus Christ. Is that a thankful admission for you this morning? I pray that it is. Dave, come. Let's stand together. And as we go feast, if you will, let us lift up a heart of thanksgiving this morning as we close with this song. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Heavenly Father, as we leave here today, I pray that we reset our hearts to be set upon you, to be thankful for the life that you gave so that we could experience true everlasting life. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for those individuals who are here today that may be hearing this for the first time. I pray that you speak to them, whether it be through the message, through our worship, or that individual that will speak to them today. Lord, I pray that they come to know you. I pray that they come to know life everlasting. And they come to know that maybe things have been stolen from them. Their joyfulness, their thankfulness. But Lord, we are in the place where we can reclaim that. And so we thank you and give you praise for that. Bless us now as we leave and we go to dinner. Bless the hands that have prepared it for us. And Lord, we're just so thankful that we get to be here and have the freedom to do so. Thank you so much, Lord, and we love you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come and join us in the Fellowship Hall for Thanksgiving dinner. The Bible says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on Him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to Him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org. Thank you.